Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Your words are true, and this morning we just want your truth to be spoken. I am just your vessel. Lord, would you speak through me? We just want your truth, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Alright, so. So you all have your hand out, right? At 1.30 this morning, the Lord woke me up, and I feel like he switched things up on me. <laughs> so, your handout is going to be changed around a little bit, okay? Um, point two is going to be point one. Point one is going to be point two. And I know this is very inconvenient. <laughs> Being woke up at 1.30 a.m. and having to get on my laptop and change my notes around, I was up at one, for an hour, rearranging everything for the message for this morning. It was inconvenient. I lost sleep over it. And I had to come in early this morning. And sit with Christine, our awesome PowerPoint person, and she sat <laughs> with me, and I handed her my new notes and said, uh, we need to create a new PowerPoint. She's awesome. So, it was inconvenient for me, it was inconvenient for her, and now it's inconvenient for you guys, you OCD people. <laughs> you like things in order, I'm switching it up on you. It's a little inconvenient, okay? So ride with me, stay with me, and um, we'll see what God does with it, okay? So point number two on your handout. <laughs> okay? We rejoice with those who rejoice by celebrating together. He also changed that on me this morning. We're celebrating together. So the definition of rejoice is to feel or show great joy or delight, to be happy for the other person. It's an inward feeling. It's an internal feeling. And then celebration is to acknowledge a significant or happy day or event with a social gathering or enjoyable activity. It's an outward expression. Make sense? So rejoicing is inward. It's a feeling of joy. And celebration is an outward expression. So earlier I mentioned the Jewish feast that um, the Jews celebrated back in the early church. And I'm going to run through seven of them real quick and just give you um, some highlights of them. They were all celebrated in different ways. Um, some were celebrated with food, some were celebrated with fasting, but they were celebrated as a church together. Right? The first one was Passover, which
We've all heard of the Passover, right? And if that's familiar to us, it's one of the most important festivals in the early church. And usually a Seder meal is served on this day. And heads up, we're going to do a Seder meal this year in April. So that's kind of fun. Um, just watch for that. That's coming up for us. We're going to celebrate Passover with the Seder meal this year. And then the second one is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is immediately after the Passover. The Passover is one day, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread is for the next seven days. And a lot of people get these confused because they are right back to back. And essentially, them together is an eight-day festival. And then the first, the Feast of First Fruits. Stay with me. The Feast of First Fruits is during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So this is just a big old party going on. They got three three festivals in one week in eight days. And then 50 days later is the Feast of Weeks, which is also called Pentecost. And um, this is 50 days after the. Um, the first fruits feast, and it's celebrated at the end of harvest season. So these are the spring festivals, and then there's a break, and then fall. The fall feast begins. So they just have this series of series of feasts, which is kind of fun. Um, the first feast in the fall is a feast of trumpets. It's the first day of the Jewish new. It's, it's considered the Jewish New Year. And so this is a one-day feast. And then there's the Day of Atonement, which is also known as Yom Kippur. Have you seen on the calendar? Usually it's on a calendar, Yom Kippur. And that is 10 days after the Feast of Trumpets. And that's a one-day thing. And then after that is the Feast of Tab Tabernacles. That's five days, then five days later is um, is the Feast of Tabernacles, and that one lasts for eight days. So they have festival after festival after festival that they celebrate, and they are consistent with that. This would be stressful for me. But I'm just Because I have to be honest with you, parties and celebrations are hard for me. I had to learn how to celebrate. I did not grow up in a family where we celebrated birthdays. We just didn't. I don't know exactly why, but I don't remember ever having a birthday party growing up. I remember my, my sister, she decided she is having a 16th birthday party. I remember that, and I was just there because I was her sister. And that's the only birthday party I remember having in our family. So I don't know if it was just because we were on a dairy farm and we were so busy working, we worked a lot, that we just didn't make time to celebrate birthdays, to acknowledge birthdays. So I didn't know how to celebrate birthdays. And then I got married and my husband, Grew up celebrating everything. <laughs> My mother-in-law was just, she was awesome at acknowledging birthdays and holidays and um, special times. She was really good at that. And so that's how he was raised. So he decided, when we had kids, we, he decided, we are going to celebrate birthdays. 
parties for our kids. And so we did. And it was a stretch for me. I have to be honest with you because I didn't know how to do that. Um, after a few years, I was okay with it. And it became fun. Um, but it wasn't always easy for me. But the Bible says, rejoice with those who rejoice. It's not a suggestion. It's more of a command. And he said, oh, you can do this if you want. <laughs> if it's convenient for you. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. It's pretty cut and dry. It's good for us to celebrate. It's bonding and it brings unity. I know my kids, when we had birthday parties for the kids, they would invite their friends. And it would bring a special kind of bond between the friends. And they would go home with stories. This is what we did at the party. You know, it just brings a special bond. It brings a unity. In 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with, with it. Notice the word with. You don't rejoice alone. It's better to rejoice together with someone. Some practical ways that we celebrate, things we should celebrate together. And we normally do this as birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, graduations, the birth of a baby, adoption. Those are normal things that we celebrate, right? And then we look for reasons to celebrate. This is what our society does. We look for reasons to celebrate. During the summertime, we have cookouts for any holiday that pops up. We celebrate getting out of debt. Our kids even have an expectation to celebrate Valentine's Day. We are a step family, and so years ago I decided to bring unity to our family, we're going to celebrate Valentine's Day because it's the holiday of love, right? So we're going to practice loving each other on Valentine's Day. And I would actually have gift bags for them. I would cook a special meal. I would have gift bags for them. And we would celebrate Valentine's Day as a family. And even this year, um, I had, with everything that was going on, I had forgotten about Valentine's and so our oldest son texted and said, hey, what are we having our Valentine's Day meal? Shoot, I forgot. And so we had a Valentine's Day meal. It looked a little bit different this year. We just ordered pizza. <laughs> it was different. Um, but it's important to them. And it helped create unity. And it bonded us even more as a family. And we celebrate success on a job. A good report card. When my kids were young, did you know that Krispy Kreme gives out donuts for each A that is on a report card? No. They do. Remember that? Yeah. 
massive of donuts. It was fun. So if your kids get A's on the report cards, take them to Krispy Kreme. Get some donuts for them. It's really fun. Yeah, my kids still remember that. So all of these celebrations usually include food in our culture, which is a little bit of a motivation to celebrate. And today, Kenny and Kelly, who lead our young adult ministry, are getting married. They're getting married this afternoon at 4 o'clock, and we're so excited for them. They're not able to invite everyone because there's limited seating, and they're paying for the wedding themselves, so it's a smaller wedding. Um, but we're going to celebrate with them. And if you're not able to go to the wedding, acknowledge them. Acknowledge the fact that they're getting married and celebrate them. Mourning is external. 
and how we express the grief that is inside of us. It's letting out the grief. There's a phrase that some people use, grief gone public. It's what we do in public. It's how we express the grief that is in us. That was really helpful for me to understand. Mourning. And because I, I want to use the word grief in place of mourning because it just sounds a little bit better. But they're two different things. So back in the early church, when the men were mourning the death of Stephen, what did that look like? It looks a little bit different than what it looks like for us. The burial customs were different back then. Um, they didn't do embalming back then, so when the person died, the closest relative to that person would close the eyes of the deceased person. And then right after that, that's when the weeping and the wailing would start. It was very vocal, it was very out there, it was very external. Deeply mourning is a lot of weeping and wailing in that culture. And actually when we were, a while ago when we were, Clint and I were in Africa, I remember this, um, we, we were at the base, which is right on the edge of town, and we heard this noise going on. We're like, what is that? And so we asked Pastor Stanley or somebody later, I don't remember who it was now, we asked him later, what was that noise? And he said, oh, someone died. And for them, their, their culture of mourning is very similar to the early church, where their mourning is very, very outward and very public. And, um, I mean, when you hear that sound, you know what happened. You know that somebody died. Um, the procession to the burial, which is within 24 hours, of the person dying is very unique. <laughs> the body is first, and then there's instruments in the back, and in between are mourners, and who are beating their chest, they're tearing their clothes, and they're weeping and wailing very loud. <coughs> That's what it looked like in the early church. And then, after the burial, that's when the seven days, there's a period of seven to 30 days of mourning that is happening where you focus on the morning. And usually there's a special meal that is made. They, um, family friends come and visit with you. They sit and cry with you and um, just spend time with you. There's prayers and offerings that are made. There are readings that are done. Um, there's memorial candles. And basically they stop living life for that period of time. Today, our culture looks a little bit different. Usually we have the memorial service a week later, and but we spend that seven days getting ready for that memorial service. And we, um, we spend time gathering music and photos and family friends come and visit. For some reason, 
This is a lost art. We just don't do this very much anymore. Put a card in the mail. I'm telling you, there's nothing like going to your mailbox and finding a card. <coughs> Somebody thought of me today. You know, it's a lost art. Take time to put a card in the mail. Let them know that you're thinking about them. I still have cards from 14 years ago. They're special to me, they're important to me because it, it reminds me that somebody was thinking about me, they were there supporting me. Or take them a meal. And the last one, which is pretty important, ask about their loved one or their situation. Jesus took the time to be with his friends. 
being present is showing up and staying a while. That's your last one. Showing up and staying a while. Jesus didn't just go visit and then leave right away. He hung out with them. In the story of Lazarus, Jesus goes on and he heals Lazarus. <laughs> kind of a cool story. If you get a chance to go read that story, read it. John 11. But Jesus hung out because he loved his friends. He cared for his friends. It was inconvenient for him. He was okay with that. Because that's what his friends needed. I'm going to invite Krista to come up and do the final song. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.